Twas a life filled with aimless desperation. Without hope walked the shell of a man. Then a hand with a nail print stretched downward. Just one touch. Then a new life began. And the old rugged cross made the difference in a life bound by heartache and defeat. I will praise him forever and ever. For the cross made the difference for me. See, the cross proclaims the most astounding truth. God loves you and me. Can you imagine that? Not a one of us has the right to expect to be loved. Certainly none of us deserve to be loved by the creator of the universe. Each and every one of us are sinners. There's no question about that. The Bible tells us that every single one of us have gone our own way, sought our own pathway, that we have fallen short of the glory of God, that there's none righteous, not even one seeking after righteousness, for all have sinned and fallen short. And yet God loves us. Can you imagine the wonder of that great, great truth that's a part of that? See, the the cross forever proclaims that reality as, as we see and as we understand that. Oswald Sanders said it this way, He drank a cup of wrath without mercy, that we might drink a cup of mercy without wrath. What love God has for us. What an amazing God that we serve and the things that we have together as we look at it. I want us to read a couple of two or three verses together this morning. I want you to listen to the words. They're familiar passages. You know them. Many of you may know some of them even by heart. But listen to the love that is poured out in these verses and understand that that love is for you. Each and every one of you, it's for you. And do not miss that as we hear these verses. Would you stand with me as we honor the reading of God's Word? 1 John chapter 4 and verse 10, and then in the book of Romans chapter 5, verses 5 and 8. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 10, In this is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. And then in Romans chapter 5, verse 5 and then verse 8. Verse 5 says, And hope does not disappoint, Because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. And then down to verse 8, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Would you pray with me? Father, this morning, as we think about that walk toward the cross, that ended in the payment of our sin, our guilt, our condemnation. May we be overwhelmed once more by the magnificence of the love that allowed that to take place. May we understand, Father, that your love for us through Jesus Christ truly can does and has in most of our lives changed everything. Nothing can ever be the same when we grasp the truth 
of your love for us. So open our hearts and open our minds. Help us this morning just to absorb your love. And in those of us who maybe have some things this morning that need to be touched afresh with the love of God, may we feel that loving presence, the cleansing power, the uplifting hope, the everlasting presence of love. And I pray it in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. Now when we think about love, this morning I want to just take some time, and you're going to hear me say often, you see it on the screen, love, God's love changes everything. And I'm going to say that over and over and over again because it changes everything. <laughs> everything that we look at and all that we're about as we look at and understand the truth of this reality. See, love changes the way that you and I are judged by a holy and righteous God. God's love changes because, see, we're not judged by the law anymore. We're not under the law. We are now under grace. Because of what God did in Jesus Christ, we don't stand condemned before God because we've all sinned, but rather we stand forgiven by God because of the love He gives to us in Jesus Christ, because of the blood that He shed for us upon the cross of Calvary. There's no acceptance apart from that, but in that, each and every one of us are fully accepted. Love changes everything. We don't stand under that law any longer in being a part of what's going on as we see and understand. Love changes the spreadsheet in a sense. The 2 Corinthians 5.21, you'll remember, says that God made him who knew no sin to be sin so that those of us who were nothing but sin could be made in the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. It, it, it simply means that God took the perfect life of Jesus Christ and moved his perfectness over onto our sheet side of the paper and all of our sin over to Christ's side and God condemned him for our sin that we might never be condemned but rather clothed in the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. So when God sees us, he doesn't see us because of our sinful state and all the things that are there. He sees us through the blood of Christ Jesus and sees us clothed in his righteousness and we're forgiven because of the grace of God. Love changes everything. It changes the way that you and I are looked at and the way God works in your life, in my life, as we look together and the things that are going on. But love not only changes the way you and I are judged in life and being a part, it changes death to life. It moves us from the, being dead to being brought to life and being a part of all that goes on and being a part of it. A guy by the name of Vince Antonioni said it this way, Becoming a Christian is not about God making a bad person good. It's about God making a dead person alive. And that's what we need to understand. See, so many people think Christianity is just a bunch of rules. It's you do this and you don't do that and you do this and you don't do that and, and they're not really interested in that because everywhere we turn, that's, everything, that's all religion is, is a bunch of rules. And we don't need religion because religion has failed completely in every era of time throughout all of history. The religion has never done anything that it was supposed to do because it can't. Only God can do what needs to be done. And He does that through Jesus Christ and being a part of what's going on and understanding the wonder of that truth and the reality of that. He wants us to be a... Christianity is not a three-step or a five-step or a ten-step program to being a better person. And yet that's how so many of us look at it. If I just read my Bible, say my prayers, go to church, give a little money, I'll be a good person. 
Well, you might be a good person, but that doesn't mean you're right with God. God's not trying to make us better people. He's trying to bring us from death to life. He's trying to let us be a people who live by the power of the Spirit of the living God. We don't need a plan for a better life. We need to understand that we need to die to this self in order that He might live in us the life that He's called us to live to be the people that He wants us to be. Galatians 2.20 I am crucified with Christ, yet nevertheless I live. But not I, but Christ lives in me. See, that's the secret. That's what God is after. That's what God wants to do. Love changes everything. It takes the burden of me trying to prove myself to God and trying to measure up to God and all the things that are there and allows me simply to be accepted in what God has done for me through Jesus Christ and then empowered by the living Spirit of God within me to walk in the fullness of Christ and all that He wants for me. Love changes it all. It changed the way we see and understand the life that we're in and being a part of it. But love also moves us to the reality that we were once paupers, but now we're children of God. Can you imagine? We were the poor. It's not unusual to see the poor, the, the people seeking help, chasing after those who have something to give and wanting their hands out, give me, give me, give me. It's not unusual for that to see. But how often do we see a king? Chasing after the poor and saying, let me pour out my grace upon you. Let me pour out my blessing. Let me pour out my riches upon you. That's what God did in Jesus Christ. He came seeking us, the Bible says. We didn't seek Him. He sought us. He came to us and called us by name and said, I love you. Let me pour out to you my kingdom blessing. Let me give you forgiveness. Let me give you wholeness. Let me give you a purpose for being. Let me pour you a love that's unfailing upon your life and being a part of that. We're no longer paupers, but we're princes and princesses. We're the people of God and being a part of our love changes everything. It changes what we look like and how we act and all the things that were going on as we look and understand the wonder of what's going on to be a part of it. See, love allows us to ride across the story of our life and they lived happily ever after. You know, we read those in fairy tales and all the fairy tales end that way, it seems like, and they lived happily ever after, but we live our lives in the real world and we know that doesn't seem to always be true. But it is when love comes. When Christ comes into our life, it changes the for, our forever. It changes the reality, the truth, the knowledge that we have a, a happily ever after, not only an abundance of life now that we have in Jesus Christ, but we have a happily ever after because of what He's provided for us in Jesus Christ. Love changes our destiny. It changes our outcome. It changes all that we are because of what God has done in Jesus Christ. Love changes everything. See, love changes our understanding For my sin is too great to be forgiven. How many people go through life missing what God has in store for them because they just can't see themselves as worthy of God's love. And that they somehow have sinned a sin that's so much beyond God's grace that they just can never be forgiven. Folks, I want you to understand something this morning. That's a lie of Satan. There is no one that cannot be forgiven. See, we, the, love changes everything. It changes it from I cannot be forgiven to grace greater than all my sin. Love changes everything. It makes a difference in who we are and what we do and the things that are going on. It changes from I can't to I will because of the grace of God. It moves us into the kingdom of God in all that's a part of being a part of that as we look together. Love 
changes everything because it lasts forever. The Bible says that all things may pass away, but love, it abideth for all eternity. 1 Corinthians 13, 13. It goes on and on and on. It never ends. We can't outrun the love of God. We can't hide from the love of God. We can't be away from the love of God. We may not accept it. We may not want it. But God's love is still poured forth upon us because it is everlasting. It is eternal. It is available to any and to all who will be a part. Love changes everything. It changes the ability of a whole world to know what's going on. See, love changes everything, but it does it one by one. And yet it's big enough to do it for everybody. It's just not that God picks out this person and that person and that person and says, I love you. But he picks out each and every one of us individually and all of us and says, I love you. Let me, sh- let me remind you that I've already demonstrated it to you. I went to the cross. And even while you were undeserving, while you were a sinner, while you didn't want to have anything whatsoever to do with me, I poured out my love to you so that I could say to you that you would never ever have to wonder, is there a possibility, is there an answer to life, is there a purpose in life, is there someone that can see me and notice me and love me? And God emphatically says, yes, I do. I do. I love you. I gave my life for you. And all that's going on and being a part of it. See, love changes the way we love one another. And it changes the way that we allow ourselves, even love ourselves, and to bloom within the context of God's love. Love allows us not to try to live in obedience in order that we can be loved, but rather to know that because we are loved, we can walk in obedience. See, we don't obey the rules so that God will love us. If we did that, we'd never be loved because we never obey all the rules. We walk in the fullness of God's love for us and in, the, in doing the things God desires for us to, get our, to give the life that He wants for us because He first loved us. He first demonstrated, he first gave himself to us. He poured out his love, the Bible says, upon us that we might know and understand the fullness of love and everything that's going on. Love changes our worship of ourselves to the worship of the only one truly worthy of being worshipped, the Almighty God himself. See, love changes my heart. So I'm no longer the center of my attention. But God is. And my worship belongs to Him. And Him only. No one's worthy of your worship except the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to understand that as we look at it. In a little book that's entitled God's Love for the Rest of Us. The following story is, is in that little book. It tells about a friend who, who talks about a, a family. Um, uh, the parents had a, had a son, and they, oh, they loved him more than anything they could even imagine. He, he was the apple of their eye. I mean, they loved him in every possible way they could be loved as they looked at it. But during 
the middle and latter part of his teen years, he began to live his life awry of the truths and the things that they had taught him and of the love. And he, he rejected them and rejected their way of life and everything and began to run around with the wrong kind of crowds and, and doing all kinds of things that he knew was wrong and certainly they knew was wrong. He broke their hearts in every possible way to be broken. Came in one night about 3 a.m. So drunk he could hardly get into the house. Staggered into his room and fell upon the bed, unconscious. The mother got up out of bed and left the bedroom, and, soon, and the dad got up and followed her, assuming that maybe she'd gone to the kitchen and to, just to cry, as she'd done many times. But as he passed his son's room, there she was on her knees beside the bed, just rubbing his head, patting his head. What are you doing? She said, he won't let me love him when he's awake. Folks, that's the story of God. God has loved you from before time. He has known your name. He has known everything about you and all there is to know. And throughout God's time in history, as He came, as He brought creation, and as He's walked throughout all the Old Testament and through the New Testament, and in Jesus Christ, he, He's poured out His love, and He's tried to say over and over again, I love you, I love you. And yet we, as a people, have continued to reject Him, continued to question His love, continued to try to make every other way possible that could be possible and not turn to the only one that loves us. And finally, in Jesus Christ, in, the fact, in, the, in spite of our doubts, in spite of our questions, in spite of our rejection, in spite of our determination, I'll do it my way. He got up on a cross. He said, maybe this way you'll know that I love you. See, God wants you to know He loves you. He wants you to know He loves you. The question that you and I have that we have to ask ourselves this morning, or at least need to ask ourselves, I guess, is will we let Him love us? Will we let God love us? Or will we make our excuses, oh, I'm, I'm not good enough, or there's bound to be another way, another alternative. All the things that we try to do to not just surrender to the love that God has for us. So I ask you, will you let God love you? Not because you deserve it, because you don't, and I don't. But because he love. And his heart just wants to love you. If he could put on human form, oh, he did on human form didn't he and he stretched out his arms and said come unto me all you who are weary and heavy laden and I'll give you rest if you're thirsty take a drink of this water of life and you'll never thirst again drink freely from this fountain I just want to love you would you let me? Would you let me? See, the cross is simply God saying to us, I want to love you, and I want you to know I love you, 
And so I'm going to demonstrate it to you. The best way I know how. I've tried to tell you. You didn't listen. So let me just show it to you. That's what the cross is about. It's God looking into your heart. Your individual heart. Each and every one of us here. He's looking into your heart. And he's saying to you. And he's saying to me. I love you. Will you let me? See, we can reject love all we want to. We've seen it happen in our lives humanly. We reject love extended to us through people. But we also reject an even greater love, the love of God. He wants to love you this morning. Would you let him? Would you pray with me? Father, this morning... As we come to these moments of time that we call an invitation, we first and foremost understand that it's your invitation to us to, to let you love us. That's what you're doing. You're inviting us to be loved by you, to accept you in Jesus Christ, to receive you as our personal Savior and our Lord, confessing our sin and understanding we're not worthy. We have no right whatsoever to be loved. We have no right to expect to be forgiven. We have no right to think that heaven could be our home. But you want to love us and give us all that freely and just because you're love. And so, Father, this invitation today is to just say to those who've never trusted Lord, you as Lord and Savior of their life personally, not talking about going to church, not talking about being in Sunday school and all those different things, but in an individual relationship with you through Jesus Christ, they have said to themselves before you, I receive your love. I accept what you did for me in Jesus Christ. God, I pray this morning if there's anyone outside the boundaries of that love because of whatever excuses they've made in the past that this morning, they'd just say, yes, God, I'll let you love me. I'll receive Christ, the living love that never dies in my life. Father, even when we become Christians, so oftentimes we spurn your love and we don't accept that love and we don't acknowledge that love and we don't walk in it and the invitation is still open to us even as your children to be able to come because of love you're our father because of love we can come no matter what we've done because of love no matter how far we've strayed or how long we've been away you're there as the prodigal son father running to us offering to us your love extending to us your grace and your forgiveness and saying please let me love you So God, in these moments of invitation, it's my prayer that not only I, but all of us together, each one, one by one, might simply say, yes, I will let you love me. I will choose to let love make all the difference in the world in my life. I surrender to your love. I pray that in Christ's name. Amen.